welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast for the week of March 18th already. Happy spring. Happy I'm Dan spring. Holman, your host. I've got my uh, main man from Road 55 Marketing, Rob Lollisher, here good to help morning. us along with some news stories this week. Rob? Yeah, how's it going today? Yeah, it's pretty good. Spring's in the air. It's sunny and bright and beautiful out. Yeah, maybe, maybe tipping back a green beer or two uh, a little, <laughs> little later today. <laughs> we might do that. Yeah, uh, the moon's aligned. Awesome. <laughs> well, before we, we got to earn those beers, Dan. So let's mm. uh, let's talk about some of the headlines uh, this week. Um, interesting story that I, I'm sure is apparent to many, but a good you know looking forward as well and talking about where Canadians uh, um, have been spending the most money during the pandemic. Uh, great little one about the local circulation of those local dollars and and does a really nice job breaking down of, of the impact of you know when those dollars are spent with with a local biz versus some of the bigger box stores how that impacts the community uh we love it we, we've had a few of these over the last few weeks and i love seeing these stories uh, about a little startup their pop-up story of you know how how they came to be uh, port congestion, you know, is an interesting uh, uh, topic that maybe is a little bigger than most of us think, but at the end of the day, can affect us. And, and curious to hear your thoughts there. And uh, uh, of course, uh, we we've got a retailer question of the week, and this week we're talking about shrinkage, and I I mean the bad kind, not the cold water variety, Dan. Like we're we're talking the hit in the pocketbook. So, yeah, um, yeah some good yeah. stories in, indeed. Uh, first story comes from globalnews.ca and uh, talking about, you know, where Canadians have been spending their money uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but more importantly, Dan, what, what your sense of is, you know, looking ahead and what retailers might do. Yeah, for sure, Rob. And, you know, Global News reported uh, the other day, I don't, I don't remember which day it was, but they, they, they sent out this article with a good little video. We'll have a link to it in our newsletter. Uh, 94% of Canadians found being outdoors had helped them relieve their anxiety and stress that's brought on by the pandemic. And 86% agree spending time outdoors is important to their mental health during this period. And these numbers have and will continue to drive consumer spending in in those relatable markets. And so here's some right. quick stats that I that I pulled out of the article, okay. kind of where we're spending our dollars that would have normally been spent in travel, dining, or, or entertainment. Uh, swimming pool sales up 51% from June to September 2020, year-over-year -year sales. Home improvement and warehouse materials saw an increase of 31% in that period. Home accessory and gift stores are up double digit. Bike stores are up 21%. Other outdoor activities, um, skiing, skating, barbecue, RV, boat, off-road, all having their best year in the last decade. And all indicators today, here we are, sort of mid-March, yep. all indicators point to this summer being a copy of last June through September. And so, of course, the question is, well, what do our indie retailers do? And, and I am of the belief and recognizing this with some of our existing clientele, yep. uh, retailers are now adding to their current inventory with items that complement or enhance the consumer's current buying habits. 
this is not the time for us to try to lead her down a new path. We've got to kind of ride this wave that's in front of us. And if you're an apparel store, start to mix in some things that, that foster the outdoor life, some novelty tees and hoodies that sort of speak to that being outdoors. Maybe it's um, adding some, some aromatherapy products in your store uh, that allow her to sort of enhance Right. You know, the feeling inside her home. So, uh, you know, this right or wrong globals kind of the, the trends are pointing this way to be June through September to be similar to last year. And I can tell you, having just purchased an RV, a new RV. I thought um, maybe you got a pool down. I knew where I was coming <laughs> over this summer. No, but having bought this RV, you know, I spent okay. I spent half the time talking um <laughs> with these guys with the gm over there just about the industry and and how sales have been um and they are absolutely off to their best start in their history and i'll give a little shout out to arcan did a fabulous job i was saying to a client of mine yesterday to, to bob zekla at cloud nine it's the best sales experience i've ever had at a at oh. that you know, price point at a higher price point, better than my car experience. And you know how much I love the experience that I get from my friend Bruce Kirkland over at Lexus of Edmonton. Um, this was, this surpassed that. It was so good. But the, the whole, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked on yeah. this, but the whole point was that they're having their best year. They're coming off of their best year and off to the start of their best year in the existence. I like the, um, you know, you're talking about regardless of what you sell, just embrace the activity, the approach that people are going to be taking right this year. Whereas, you know, a year ago, I think many of us were still in the, well, maybe this happened, this will last a few weeks, right? Like, and it, but not really altering their plans and just kind of whatever happened, happened last year. Right. But, but now it's, uh, okay, you, let's talk about barbecue fashion. <laughs> you know, what, what can we do to embrace this activity? And, right. and, uh, uh, leverage it the best that we can but and i think that as we see these continued mm, adjustments to to our current life the people that have grown accustomed to spending time outdoors are now long to spend more time outdoors right and certainly we see that in the ski industry this year still going strong here in the middle of march you know whether it's alpine or or um you know, mountain here. I mean, there's just, there's, it's been so good. Yeah. Well, don't they say like 30 days to make a new habit? So you think, you know, say 28 uh, days uh, for a yeah. form a new habit. So, so the past year, how many new habits? Have, have been <laughs> 468 born? days uh, of habits. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, um, you, you mentioned briefly line, the line, Dan, about uh, not taking them down a totally new path. Can you just expand on that for a moment? So what I mean, let's not let's not be Costco here. Let's not put Christmas trees out in August and think we're going to change consumer buying to, to buy your Christmas tree in August. Let's not try to introduce something the latest and greatest in fashion. I'm saying ride this wave that we're on. We've We've forced her to buy a new way. We've forced her, not forced her, we haven't forced her, but she's been forced, he's been forced to spend their um, discretionary dollars yeah. in ways that support them as individuals. And in a, in a lifestyle that 94% or 86%, pardon me, 
of this survey believe that outdoors is where it's at. I've got to be outside. It's helping me. It's good for my mental wellness, my, my health, my productivity. Um, but it, it also helps me to alleviate some of that stress. And that's why we're seeing, you know, take a walk through town in the evening. Everybody's out. Yeah. You know, especially totally. when it's you know, 15 degrees. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it after that. Yeah, so, so I don't want to see stores you know, trying to launch something new that, that we've got to go on a mass and audience for. It's not about the early adoption. It's not big screen TVs yep. here. This is about riding the wave that we're on. And I, I mean that in the truest sense of the pun, let's ride this third wave exactly yep. the way it is, cater to the things that enhance yep. her current lifestyle. We'll yep. go back to something else later, maybe a different something, but it'll, you know, big screen TVs aren't gone forever, man. I like, you know, back to Bob and Cloud Nine. Like you think of the, this is the evening patio pajama <laughs> uh, uh, series, right? So not too far out, but definitely thinking of where these people are going to be. Well, loungewear has been one of yeah. the better performers in the, on the, in the apparel world, yeah. for sure. And, and in all stores, you know, loungewear has taken over some market share. Yeah, right on. Okay, Dan, on to the next story. I know uh, we love this topic and, and keep pounding on, on the theme of just the importance of, of uh, you know, supporting small local businesses. And, and on that first level of, we, we think more of their products and services first. Uh, God, God forbid if it wasn't there tomorrow, but there's such a bigger impact. Uh, talk to us a bit about this story. This article, Auto Retail Insider, said it before, say it again, favorite morning coffee, um... Uh, news source retail insider in this article from Sean Terry um, sort of goes on to talk about what we've heard <laughs> many, many, many times before. Small businesses are the lifeblood of the Canadian economy. In fact, of the North American economy. And they are the backbone of the communities in which they operate. They're the very heart and soul of the neighborhoods that they serve. These are statements that have often been employed to describe the contribution of the Canadian entrepreneur and independent business towards the continued and overall strength of the Canadian marketplace. And, and Sean um, grabbed on to um, a former small business owner, Christina uh, Ajid. And I, I believe Christina is or was the owner of Layla's in North Vancouver, which is a fashion forward gift store, couple of locations. And she okay. goes on, uh, to talk about her belief as consequences of the pandemic continue to mount, its long-term impacts begin to rear, the critical role filled and performed by independent businesses toward the health of these Canadian communities that we're talking about and the financial viability of the country soon become regrettably obvious. And so now this article really allows us to prove what Christina believes to be true to in fact be true. Her belief, you know, that we're seeing this, this declining Canadian economy and more importantly, this declining community has never been more accurate. Stats Canada, one of <laughs> our least favorite stats reporters, but, but <laughs> typically on point, you know, Stats Canada says our economy posted its worst ever, worst ever, performance, registering a 5.4% decline in GDP for 2020. And, and that, for those statisticians out there, is the largest recorded decrease 
since they started tracking it in 1961. And so this article continues to impress upon the importance of supporting the independence in our communities. And as you sort of alluded to in the, at the opening, 63 of every $100 spent in a local store stays in the local economy. It stays in your community, as opposed to $14 of every 100 spent at a multinational chain. And so, Rob, what, <laughs> what yeah. do we as independent retailers do? And I, I, again, I'm going to say my belief is we need to band together and support each other. And the belief that we are stronger together than apart. Every retailer should be doing, should belong to a retail coalition in their community, an action-driven alliance that fights to support and strengthen our retail economy. And there are lots of coalitions out there. Uh, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, in fact, could be a coalition. Totally. The Downtown Business Association could be a coalition. You know, the performance or mastermind groups that you should be, should be a part of are coalitions. And us banding together and strengthening the independent business is how we will push our economy forward. It has nothing to do with multinational chains. And a little a story a little further down, we're going to talk about a multinational chain that's feeling some pinch. Yeah, I I, I think we brought it up. Oh, this is like many many episodes ago. I think I used the term profit local instead of yeah. just shop local. And, it's profit and, local. And thinking of that, you know, who's the landlord? Who owns the building? Who the suppliers right. are? Who the staff are? And and just you know all the way down the line and and. I love that, you know, banding together and, and, you know, chamber is a great example where, you know, I, I've served on chamber boards. And, and so my nickel of advice would be that if, if you're trying to yell from the rooftop, just on your own, it, it can come across as very self-serving. Right. But on the, on the other side too, you don't need the entire membership to, well, is, is this the entire membership's cause? There, there's opportunity for a, a, uh, a local retail committee, let's just as one example, to band together, but under the guidance and, and structure of, of a chamber, because right. I've seen the versions too, where, you know, three or four in the corner decide to band together and, and quickly it becomes super self-serving, right. literally to that one corner. But uh, and. Uh, Christina does a pretty good job in this article of talking about, you know, the measure of independent business is always revenue. Uh, revenue is always the measure. And in fact, it never talks about profitability. It never talks about having to generate profit to pay the workers, to pay the landlord, to pay the, you know, the electricity bill. It never talks about profitability. It talks about revenue and revenue decline, not profit increase, not that's just, it's so revenue driven that we do have to think about who owns the building and how am I impacting that? You know, who does the merchandising in this store? Who owns this store? You know, where do her kids go to school? What do her kids do? You know, all of these things that support that dollar we spend in a local business. And it's not, you know, we're coming at this, Rob, from this place of being retail advocates, but it really is all independent businesses. Not when I totally. go to get my you know, windshield fixed, I'm going to go see a local guy. I'm going to go talk to that guy. I mean, which, which is, should lead every bit of our spending. Can I buy it from someone closer to me that has greater economic impact in my community than the goddamn click and pick at Amazon? The, uh, um, 
if you look at the restaurant industry for a moment, I'd say that they've done a nice job of building this narrative of, you know, call it farm to table, like the, the yeah. 10 mile, hundred, you know, but, but they're communicating that. And I haven't, at least thus far, I haven't seen a ton of that in the, what I'd call the retail of that farm to that, that local profit approach right. to it. And, and with that just comes, there's opportunity. There's opportunity to tell more of that story in your community about, yeah, there is. about the full impact. Yeah. There is for sure. For yeah. sure. And depending on the sector of retail that you're in, you know, you, you will have more farm to store opportunity, right. craft to store opportunity, apparel manufacturer to store opportunity um, versus the, you know, the, the port congested um, 80% of all apparel comes on a boat, you know, strategy that we'll talk about a little later. Okay, but until we get there, uh, just a reminder, folks, this podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. They've been empowering retailers across North America for 30 years with the latest point-of-sale technology. Uh, folks, it's uh, best-in-class support, merchandise intelligence, open-to-buy planning, so much more. Uh, they've got the retail solution to help you and your business get to that next level of success. If you haven't yet, we're going to tell you at least three, four times more, but visit retailbycrs.com, <laughs> learn more. Remember, Canadian Retail Solutions, uh, they're here to help you, the independent retailer, better. Okay, talking about that independent retailer, here's this next story, talking about um, the, this lady, Amanda Benedict, found herself out of work and turmoil the past year. How often have we talked about this, eh, Dan? And, and uh just, you know, taking some of her, her personal, you know, design inspiration, packaging it up and, and uh, heading out into the retail world. What jumped out at you in this story? Well, first off, it's from North Carolina. So I don't know how you picked on that one for me. But yeah, another North Carolina story <laughs> really comes out of uh, that, that triad that's around Winston-Salem and Charlotte and so on. But uh, yeah, Amanda Benedict, owner, founder, creator at Blue Jean Boutique. And again, you're right, this story has some strong similarities to those that we've talked about in the last six or more months. This is a, this is a, a woman, um, I, I believe single mom, out of work in this world of turmoil last year, coming off of a, a job where she was designing t-shirts for someone else, decided to launch her own line and selling self-designed shirts, stickers, jewelry, that all revolve around fashionable comfort each spreading a message of female empowerment or positivity um, was born. And, and in, she went through the Q3, Q4 of last year, living in that pop-up retail world. And over time, over that sort of four or five month period, she began to carry products from other female-owned small businesses and showing support for a few local female entrepreneurs. This story has more good in it than just that. You know, this is a this is a business, Rob, a woman that has decided, this, this entrepreneur that has decided that she's gonna maintain a socially conscious mantra working with organizations like uh, Baitavi. Baitavi is an organization out of Cambodia that employs seamstresses, paying them a fair wage in a, in a country stricken with, with poverty. Yeah. And so um, she works with another Christian organization to help craft some jewelry. So she's really gone out and found cause to support um, that sort of feeds into her empowerment story. But what we can take out of this, 
there's a few things that I think we can take out in our current retail lives and apply in our current retail lives. Okay. Number one, launching your own line shouldn't be a dream. Shouldn't be just a dream, Rob. Launching your own line should and can be a very real action as evidenced by not just Amanda, but let's go back and talk about the five other entrepreneurial spirits that we've spoken about in the last five or six weeks on the on the podcast, every one of them with their own flair. Remember Psycho Bunny? Remember LaFleur? I mean, all of these stories are, let's launch our own line. Let's do something ourselves. So my big thing takeaway for us independent retailers today is if you're sitting there dreaming about launching your own line, take some inspiration from this story and let's get started. Uh, number two, empowering and supporting others is critical to our success. And most importantly, the, th the third thing I took from this, Rob, we need to be brave yep. and take some risk. If you want big re rewards, you got to take big risks. And entrepreneurialism at its core is about taking a risk. And this is a great example, Amanda. Yeah, great job launching this boutique off of, you know, the work done by her fingertips kind of thing. Yep. So if you, uh, if you had to hop on a quick elevator ride with Amanda, Dan, what you know now, what, what little advice would you give to her on, on what her next steps might be? Um, Putting you on the spot. For, you are. For I think, I thing. think the whole, as I read through the story, it really was about her continuing in pop-up markets you know, setting up in a shop, in other stores. The leap of faith here, Rob, is your own boutique. Yeah. You know, your own omni-channel presentation. And if we go and look at Blue Jean Boutique, you know, we're going to see that that's, that's, her, that's her destination. Right on. Well, we wish got to take that risk to yeah. get in front of more audience. Yeah. And I love your point about, you know, uh, on the brand side, we've talked about that before. And kind of leads us a little bit into the next story too about uh, the the reliance on so many others versus some of you know creating what is truly yours at the end of the day your your own uh, uh, products um, so that you maybe don't get caught quite as much as as the problems from this next story here coming right. from retaildive.com where uh, it, it talks about some of the issues out, out of port congestion. And, and like I said, it's a, it's a big topic, but definitely ripples its way down all the way to the, to the smallest uh, retailer. What were your thoughts here, Dan? Yeah, it totally does. It, 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 there is a trickle-down effect. And this story really highlighted Foot Locker's challenge in obtaining merchandise on time from overseas suppliers. The ports, not just LA and Long Beach, the, the probably the busiest ports on the continent, but all ports are faced with this significant congestion, creating several weeks, you know, two, three, four week delays yep. in just landing goods on, on dry on dry land to yep. get them to us. We in independent retail are feeling those exact same effects. While I um can empathize with Foot Locker, don't really give a shit. I'm more focused on, you know, what's the trickle down to the independent that's buying right. from these, from, from distributors that are bringing product into these ports. And, and what's happening to us in independent retail, Rob, we're being forced to land inventory well into our selling season, which means we're probably having to mark down goods sooner to end our seasons with the right amount of inventory. Right. This is creating, 
a decline in overall sales performance and reports showing year over year revenues down for Q4 in 2020. And I, and the number varies between three and 30% down in Q4 2020. And the numbers will be the same for Q1 in 2021. And it is all about inventory, the right inventory in the right category at the right time. I, I, I can tell you about, you know, stories about outdoor and bike that got their summer inventory, their spring summer inventory in August. Wow. At the end of their season, yeah. you know, it, it's landing the minute that fall goods are starting to land. And now I've got to scramble to sell products that I'm late in the season. There is some um, misery loves company. We're all kind of in that same maybe boat. But as we've talked about on the podcast before, those that are planning their purchases, those that are going out there and, and they know what their demand will be, they're yep. using some intelligence to understand where their demand is, they then know where they need to buy and we take extra effort to ensure we have that inventory rather than relying on the boat to dock. Is there or are there options for retailers, Dan, that like is it is it their burden to carry totally or... You know, thinking of some of the bigger products, is it, um, we'll buy that bike today, even though I might not be able to put it into your hands until August, or, or do retails carry that risk all the way till that final, final day of sale? I, there's not a lot of special order opportunity in today's okay. world. We're seeing it more in luxury purchases. Right. You know, if I'm buying a, a $7,000 road bike, I'm perhaps prepared to place an order and wait for it to come in. If I'm buying a hot tub, you know, I'm prepared to wait for it to come in. But in our traditional retail world, that's not the case. Yeah, no and, and, and I believe, Rob, that this problem is going to subside over the next three or four months as our countries, plural, yep. get back to open for business. Not this bullshit ridden restrictive environment that we're in today, but actually open for business. We will recover fairly quickly, although the road will be arduous. I, yep. I won't sort of deny that. The strong and adaptable risk takers, like we talked about a minute ago, will recover and flourish. Right on. Again, you got to yeah. ride the wave, man. Yeah. You got to ride the wave that we're in and, and do your best to find products that fit her need, not use the excuse. It's stuck in port. I can't get it. My vendors don't have inventory. There's lots of inventory available if you go looking. Yeah. Well, and the excuses are plenty. If you want them, they're there. <laughs> right. And, and uh, easiest thing to, to do is deflect blame. You won't have to look very far. Yeah. Okay, Dan, um, loving this part of the uh, podcast here, the questions from retailers, lots of great ones. And, and more importantly, like they share the question that, you know, we, we know it's their problem, but we know everyone is just, I got the same thing. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, this, this one, one came comes, from Denise here yeah, in Edmonton. Sorry. Yeah, Denise yep. here in Edmonton. Um, Hi, Dan, I was wondering if you could share some information on shrinkage. My accountant just completed our year-end financials, and our shrinkage is 3.5 percent for 2020. When I googled <laughs> yeah. the the when I googled retail shrinkage, it seems much lower than mine. What am I doing wrong, Denise? Thank you for the question. I've already chatted with Denise. We actually had a call, uh, talked nice. about shrinkage, talked about some strategies to help. Shrinkage numbers are are going to typically be all over the place, and retail shrinkage in 2020. I believe was reported at about 1.6%. 
the number generally in retail runs about 1% of sales. We certainly see that numbers can get up as high as three to 5% in shrinkage, depending on the type of store you are. And so the overall number that, that she found on Google maybe told her a different story. Well, that takes into account stores that have zero shrinkage. And, and there are stores out there that have near zero shrinkage. I shouldn't say zero, nobody has zero, but near zero. So I really said, to Denise and I say to everyone, like any number, we need to drill down to identify and solve issues, the real issues. We should recognize what percentage of our, of our shrinkage is an internal problem and what percentage is an external problem. Statistics report approximately one third of your shrinkage comes from an internal problem, a staff problem. Yep. Ouch. Another third of the problem, 33% of shrinkage, Rob, you're going to believe this one, okay. is on the owner. It's yeah, I the can believe owner that. that's taking product out of their stores <laughs> yeah. and that creates a shrinkage. Yep. It is. I'm, I'm not a fender of that myself. Yep. Um, and then a third is that external customer, the customer is taking. So I came up with three things you can do to help improve Awesome. Uh, you're in your store to, to, to mitigate some shrinkage. You're not going to eliminate it, but you might help to reduce it. So the number one thing that every security specialist, retail security specialist, loss prevention specialist is going to say, you got to cycle count inventory on a regular basis. You have to demonstrate to yourself and your team that you're paying attention to your inventory. Create a routine to help identify the missing items. Where did it go? When did it go? Where do I post that? How do I share that message? I was taught a long time ago, 30% of your staff will never steal from you. 30% will only do it if they believe they won't get caught. And 30% are robbing you blind because they know you're not paying attention. Okay, if you've got 10 employees, you need to believe that three of them are robbing you blind because you're not paying attention. We can eliminate the six out of 10 yep. that, that don't and wouldn't unless they thought they wouldn't get caught by simply creating cycle counts, creating mechanisms in your store that demonstrate inventory is a value. So that's number one. Number two, never ever allow inventory in or out of your store without it being on an invoice, an order, a return, or a transfer. This includes ownership. I should never take anything out of my store unless it's on a document, unless it's entered into the POS system. Yep. When staff see us taking without proper paperwork, it sets a precedent and sends the wrong message. When we don't effectively track our inventory, it sends a message that we don't care, right? We're complacent, opens the opportunity up. Pretty slippery slope at that point. It's a slippery yeah. slope. Yep. Number three is really about the customer. Stop, please stop leaving your customers and your staff in some cases unattended or ignored in your store. When staff are idle and unengaged with your customer, opportunity for helping themselves increases. Rely on your selling system to keep staff engaged and customers engaged 
in your store. Rely on your selling system. I can't tell you the number of stores I walk into and could easily walk out with things unnoticed because staff are not doing what they should be. Right? They're consumed with something else. Yeah. Holding up a phone. Right. Is right. right now. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. Okay. I'm going to share a bad story of my own. I'm, uh, th this, is a, this is a true story um, of a time when I was in the furniture business, uh, hired a young man, um, what, a, a person that seemed to be unhirable, didn't have a job, couldn't get a job. We hired him and he was a wonderful, wonderful employee. And he moved his way through the ranks from being a helper on the delivery truck to driving the delivery truck to scheduling other delivery trucks, you know, to being in the warehouse. And we watched this young man grow from a very young age, sort of 17, 18, to get married, have a couple wow. of kids, buy his first home, all while in our employee. And when he bought his home, he had a uh, Sunday afternoon housewarming barbecue and invited Marlene and I over. Um, I went, which I rarely did, but I went to this, you know, this, this, this young man was really close to us. We really sort of had, you know, had, we're embracing him. But this is where the story turns sideways and demonstrates this lack of attention that I was paying. As we toured through his home, I identified virtually every single piece of furniture as coming from our stores. Nope. Didn't say anything, had my burger, had my beer, left, went home. He didn't, he worked Tuesday to Saturday. So Monday, when I went into the office, I immediately started looking for invoices for sales for through warehouse sales and liquidation sales and whatever I could find, not a single piece of paperwork. And so when he came in Tuesday, I had to ask him, where did it come from? It was all customer returns or product, defective product that okay. was identified in the warehouse. Wasn't on, it was undocumented and he helped himself to it and filled his new home. Oh, that just, <laughs> just hurts on, on so many levels. I mean, that's shrinking. That's an internal shrinkage. And it came from a couple of things that I identified that we weren't doing. We weren't properly tracking inventory in to the, to the warehouse. We certainly did a pretty good job tracking inventory out. Not good enough because at some point, yeah. he delivered some furniture to his home, whether in the back of a pickup truck or one of my delivery trucks, I couldn't tell you, but it happened, right? And so this... This story, this question from Denise really took me back to that place where I wasn't paying close enough attention. I didn't have that, you know, those practices in place, Rob. And so listen, the three things I shared about cycle counting, you know, documenting all your inventory and, and having a strong selling system aren't going to stop shrinkage, but it might help. There's other things that we can do, other technologies we can use if you're really feeling a high level or seeing a high level of shrinkage, like RFID tags, security tags and posts, and of course, cameras that help to deter the five-finger discount takers. Now, thieves are really smart. Now, and, and I listened to someone this week on a, or, or last week, sorry, um, in, a, in a Zoom meeting talk about, you know, why police are so good, why the detectives are so good today. It's because the criminals are better. 
right? <laughs> so, you know, we <laughs> want to do yep. things that deter yep. shrinkage in your store. Yep. Won't stop it, but let's, let's at least deter it. And I did also let Denise know that she's not doing anything wrong. Three and a half percent is probably pretty, pretty standard. Why it seemed to be highlighted for her this year, yep. you know, is, is just a number that we hadn't paid attention to before. Jeez. Well, that was great. Thanks for sharing. You know, that's a tough story to hear. And, and uh, definitely um, you can see that he fell into that, that category of just at one point felt no one was paying attention. No one, no one was looking and, and what, what harm could it yeah, do? And and, Rob, and, one question. Yep. He, he went on to say, you know, it, it, I didn't think it mattered. You know, we weren't going to sell them, yep. you know, every great excuse or, or what he believed was a reason that he could come up with that just were unjustifiable. And I can tell you stories of, of our own retail clients telling me, sharing with me, you know, a, a girl walking out of the store wearing a mask that she didn't buy. Something as little as a mask that she took off a shelf, put it on and walked out of the store with. And that's a staff member that does that. And if that staff member took that, what else have they taken? I can tell you not very long ago, you know, found one of my employees leaving with a duffel bag full of toilet paper. Needed it. He should have asked and he'd have got it. It was a shortage, man. <laughs> yeah, I never even thought about that sort of funny part. But this poor guy, uh, Henry was his name, lived alone. And, and he, yeah. you know, he was taking cleaning supplies and bathroom supplies. And that's he, because he needed them. Yeah. And he felt like it was okay. And if he'd asked, he'd have probably gotten them the exact same way. Perhaps he wouldn't have had to take them. He would have, you know, we would have taken them to a store and bought that stuff with them. But, you know, nonetheless, it's happening. Pay attention. I like the messaging of, you know, just a bit of that ounce of prevention versus the pound of cure and and just having these little things in place that the the weight it can carry just that they know that there's a there's a system there there's something that right will that'll take care in li- all likelihood 30 percent of your problem just by that little bit of they they know we're doing something to, we're doing something and we're counting and- i mean I, I can tell you rob that there has been so many conversations with retailers that have sold something online that they don't have yeah. and they can't explain why they don't have it i can tell you that it's happened with the tnb crew Hey, we sold dot, 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 and didn't have dot, dot. Well, where is it? Didn't you do your yep. cycle counts? Yeah, we just counted last week. Where is it? Well, no, that's shrinkage. Right, right. It's the only thing you can be chalked up to. So I, did, I had to check my own little duffel bag just to make sure it wasn't me <laughs> yeah, punking other, underwear out the back door. Another 30% there. Right on. Okay, Dan, uh, burning questions out there. How, how do the folks I, get Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You? Retailers, please send your questions to Dan at thewealthyretailer.com. I will respond. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it here on the podcast. We've got eight or 10 questions that, you know, that we're going to answer over the course of however long we're going to do the retailer question thing. Please send them, Dan, at thewealthyretailer.com. Um, and definitely subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Every story we talk about is in there, plus a few Rob will, t- will highlight that we're not, that we didn't speak about um, and of course, a copy of this podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcast platform. Right on. Speaking of those extra stories that Dan mentioned, uh, <laughs> this one just made me laugh. Heinz is, hey Dan, you want some, you want some hanch on that, <laughs> or some some tarchup, some Lasio Bioli, 
they they took uh here's heinz having some fun with old customer content where they actually made these products so a fun little story on there we'll have to link uh lots of starbucks closures where when one door closes another door opens and a and a story about uh, a local business stepping in to to fill the the real estate voids and what those opportunities are got another story about the 10 most innovative logistics companies of 21 uh i'm sure might be of some interest and uh, a story about Venn being bought by a Canadian company Lightspeed and, and the details on that. So, yeah, all kinds of good stuff in the newsletter this week. As Dan said, head to retailbycrs.com. Sign up. If you've signed up, well, hey, you need to refer a friend. Uh, they'll, they'll be sure to call you a friend next week after you've done this good deed for them. Right on. Yeah, good work. Thank you awesome. very much for today. Have a great day, everyone. Happy retailing.